being part of a team definitely the most rewarding uh, so when the pandemic started i i joined an amazing crew of people uh, which included my girlfriend as well um at a company well, a charity called salute the nhs and it was started by um nigel and ron ron dennis to be a formula one fan um and they put a huge amount of money into this project and we they set up a, an old aircraft hangar in Vista and uh, a Vista Heritage. And the idea was we needed to make one million meals for the NHS. So one of the things I find fascinating are the characteristics behind many different brands. Some of them are outgoing and energetic, some are a little bit more laid back. So in this podcast, we look to explore all the different characteristics, not only of the brand itself, its roots, its origins, but the people behind the brand. And is there a bit of a relationship between the characters of the people and the characters of the brand? Well, good afternoon, good morning, and welcome wherever you are. And welcome to this episode of Legends of the Brand. And today, I'm really honored to have the chance to speak to Jason Summerfield from Syndicate Brand Partnership. So welcome aboard, Jason. Thanks, Phil. It's great to be here. Yeah, we were just having a bit of a chuckle because it is probably, it's not the hottest day of the year because we're just kind of coming off that that last little bit of a bit of a, a of, of, of heat. But um, I've had to turn off the fan because it's, uh, so for all you people out there in, uh, in listener world, um, uh, you won't hear this fan anymore, but for anybody who's going to watch this video later on, if you start seeing me drip with sweat, uh, that, that's why. <laughs> so apologies for dripping with sweat l- later on. But anyway, um, but we're here to chat about uh, chat about you, Jason. And uh, first of all, you know, I'm super pleased that we've had the chance to connect and to, to chat about this because you've obviously got a wicked background in terms of the snow sport industry and many of the different things you do. And um, yeah, I mean, you've had the chance to, to work with some of the biggest brands um, in the snow sport industry, which we'll get to a little bit later on. But if we were to talk about your, say your first ski trip, I wonder if you could share with us your first ski trip and snow sport memory. Uh, well, I think the, the first ski trip I've done was a school ski trip. And uh, I remember, um, you know, my parents didn't have a lot of money and um, it's, uh, we were meant to go to Kitzbühel, I believe, but there wasn't enough snow there. So we went to Zalamze instead. Um, and it was incredible. I mean, I think at that point, it was clearly the point where I first engaged with skiing. Um, yeah, I wouldn't say I, I took to it like a duck to water, but it's where I first probably had my ski, my first ever ski smile. And mm-hmm. um, yeah, that was it, Zalanzay. And then I'm, I think I went on another school ski trip after that. Um, I can't quite remember where that was too. I think that was a, one of the budget ones. Um, so yeah, a couple of school ski trips and um, that's really where I met skiing with. Oh, that's awesome. And uh, so um, Zalanzay, that's Austria, isn't it? Yeah. So is that where you fell in love? It's obviously that's where you fell in love with, with skiing for the first part. But is that where you fell in love with one of the great Austrian ski brands? Um, you know, it probably wasn't long after that. I mean, I think like a lot of kids when they go on a school ski trip, they can't really remember 
what skis they skied on. And it wasn't about that. I think everyone's more nervous about the experience that first ever day on the snow. What's it going to feel like? Um, See, I'm 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 gonna call you out a lot because I do remember some of the skis I used to ski on when I used to go on school ski trips. <laughs> Mind you, that's probably... I remember after that. I, yeah. I do remember after that um, the skis. And actually, if I do think, I think they would probably head um, <gasps> that I first skied on. Well, another, um, another another great Austrian brand. Or... Absolutely, yeah. absolutely. Um, and um, but then yeah, from that point, I do kind of remember. All the different skis and in fact I didn't ski on an atomic or salomon ski till, till many years after that mm -hmm. but um I did have an atomic baseball cap when I went out to ski in Hinton Tooks one summer um when I was I don't know how old I was 17 maybe um that was the first atomic thing I ever owned yeah. and I wore it until it virtually fell off my head <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. I mean, I mean, for those of you who uh, don't know and, and who are uh, new not only to, to uh, you and, and to your, your story, for many, 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 many years, you worked with uh, Amher Sports, obviously um, uh, a, a big company, but for years you worked uh, directly with Atomic here in the UK. And, uh, and then obviously you, you moved over uh, to a certain extent, looked after both Atomic and Salomon. But uh, if we start off on the early part of your journey in terms of working with, with Atomic, um, can you share some, some anecdotes, 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 some, some stories? Yeah, we'll leave with that. <laughs> some stories about that. Yeah, I mean, my journey started back in the very early 2000s. And I, I come back and do seasons. Uh, still love skiing, but needed to get a job. Um, and, you know, whilst doing seasons, I had uh, learned quite a lot of things about my skiing. One, I wasn't a very good ski racer. Uh, I didn't have a lot of coordination. Um, but, I, you know, I did become a ski instructor, which was great. Um, and but coming back, um, I started a career in engineering and uh, but still was very much involved in kind of skiing as much as I could be. And then there was an opportunity came up with MS Sports and with Atomic. The person running Atomic at that time was about five years off retiring, um, in fact, two or three years off retiring. He was an okay skier, but he wasn't a great skier. And uh, there was a feeling that they needed to get someone on board that could turn a pair of skis and ski with customers and things like that. Not saying by any means that I was a great skier, but I just, you know, had a higher ability level than, than him. And um, and so really that's where I started. I started as a tech rep and I was, I was a tech rep for Sunto, uh, which is a wrist top computer brand and for Atomic and, and started really skiing with customers. When he retired, I took over Atomic in the UK. And for me, I was I was still so young to be put in a role like that. I must have been, well, you know, early 20s um, or mid 20s. And, and, and it was a big job for, for a young guy who was still learning every day. But it was an exciting opportunity. And, and at that time, Atomic was still a one of the biggest brands out there, but it only sold skis. So, it's, you know, it's the biggest ski brand out there. Um, but it, its value wasn't ridiculously high because it was skis and binders and poles. Um, and some lucky. So I think it was just over half a million when I took the business on. And, and then um, 
when I left it two years ago, it, you know, it, it, it was quite time. So that's that for me was an incredible journey. Obviously, the brand introduced a lot more categories, and that was always exciting to launch helmets, to launch apparel, um, and all these different categories, and even the transition in skiing through my 18 years. You know, we've moved from piece to powder, powder to uphill, <laughs> or rather than just about coming downhill, uh, snowboards and everything. So yeah, hell of a journey. That's pretty cool. And uh, I mean, throughout your time there, you, uh, I mean, it goes without saying, um, uh, I actually don't know when it actually occurred, but you, you did get a partner in crime who uh, you guys were, were probably, you guys were atomic for such a long, long period of time and, uh, you know, brought a lot of energy and a lot of enthusiasm and passion and excitement uh, to the brand and everything like that. So um, do you want to share with us your partner in crime and um, some of, uh, yeah, some of that? Yeah, sure. I mean, I had a lot of partners in crime, but I think the one you're referring to is Russell O'Neill. Um, we were, I mean, Nama Sports, like a lot of big companies, changes over the years. And as it gets bigger, some would say it gets more corporate. And when it gets more corporate, you're not allowed to do everything you want to do. Um, but almost it doesn't matter as much at that point because you've already established the brand. And, and Russ was definitely someone that took the brand from really not a lot. I think Russ came on board when we were just under a million pounds. And, you know, left the business when it was over two million. So an incredible time. And we used to bounce all these ideas off each other. And ultimately, uh, you know, I was the person doing the budgets and everything else. Um, but as we went through, I moved into a more international role with Atomic and Russ very much became the Mr. Atomic UK. Um, but together, it was an amazing journey because We've done a lot of firsts and um, and just thought, we thought consumer up, which which I, I, I still think to this day is, I see a lot of other brands doing it and doing it really well now, but I'm not saying we were the pioneers, but you know, we, we actually thought, right, we need to get in front of our customers here. And our customers ultimately are not just the retailers, our end consumers that are our customers as well. So, um, we thought about, you know, how can we bring young kids into the sport? We started the race camps. Uh, to, the idea was, you know, you don't have to be wealthy. Just come along to a ski centre or a dry slope and try it. Um, yeah, we kind of done quite a road show just talking about skiing. And that really helped us. So they were, they were great times. Yeah. And uh, so then you obviously, uh, you, you worked with uh, the Salomon side as well. They brought some of that passion and excitement uh, over there as well, which, which is great. And you know, obviously extended your journey and um so yeah i mean it's obviously it's it's, it's brilliant and um uh you know when you work with the two brands together um i guess you kind of the, the wonderful opportunity for you is to have to see both sides of the same coin and perhaps different ways of solving the same problem um uh, but it's kind of really nice for you to have both those both those uh, experiences to work together but um i mean you're you're uh not only working in the snow sport industry is great but i mean you have some massive passions as well which we'll get to in a little bit but i mean things like photography and fast cars and everything like that and um you, you kind of like being involved uh not only with 
those areas and obviously you got involved with the snow camps and that sort of thing. Um, but one thing which is obviously I think an important shout out for for part of you as your character and um, is, you know, recently, especially in this pandemic, you've actually gotten involved in doing things um, with the NHS and with um, uh, St. John's Ambulance and everything like that with helping the community. And uh, I think that's a big part of your character and which perhaps people don't know about. So, uh, you know, uh, whilst, we whilst we have you here, um, you know, um, kind of, why don't you toot your own horn in terms of some of the things you've been involved with uh, through the, the, the pandemic and all this sort of stuff? Yeah, well, that, that's really kind of you to, to, to mention that, Phil. And I, I think for me, when I look back on my career, the, the things I'm probably most proud of are those things. And, and they're the things that weren't the most mentally taxing uh, or challenging. But being part of a team, definitely the most rewarding. Uh, so when the pandemic started, I, I joined an amazing crew of people, uh, which included my girlfriend as well. Um, at a company, well, a charity called Salute the NHS, and it was started by um, Nigel and Ron, Ron Dennis Peel from Formula One fame. Um, and they put a huge amount of money into this project, and we, they set up a, an old aircraft hangar in Vista, and uh, at Vista Heritage. And the idea was we needed to make one million meals for the NHS, because Ron's daughter was a nurse, and uh, on a COVID ward, when they're on it, they can't get off it. So they can't eat, they can't do anything. At that point, the canteens were not within that quarantine zone. And so we made these meal boxes, not just for them to have lunches, but also at the end of a shift, they could just pick one of these boxes up and go home. Uh, and then, because they'll have to be in, the, in work the next day. So they didn't have to think about food mm -hmm. when the rest of the country and indeed world was thinking and worrying about food. Um, and uh, yeah, it, it was amazing. Uh, Tesco stepped up to the mark and provided most of the food and some big brands stepped on board. And uh, I don't know how many, it was quite a few hundred of us at certain times working, you know, uh, on these production lines to fill boxes. And they were going out to every hospital in the country. Um, Apparently, it was Yodel that delivered them, and uh, it was quite Yodel traveled quite a number of times around the circumference of the world throughout this project. So, I mean, it was it was just incredible. And my job, I'd done a lot of things there, but my main job was taping up boxes, and it's one of the most rewarding things I've ever done. Um, so, and I met some incredible people from all different walks of life and, and I think that's what I loved about it to be doing something where you know you're, you're you're putting some good back into the world but you don't know what the person next to you does but what you have in common is what you're doing right then at that moment in time um you know I, I, I did work next to people who had many different kind of jobs pilots uh, you know a lot of business owners and uh, executive marketeers and just all these incredible people high up in Formula One and um, yeah it's just it's just quite incredible um, to do it and then when we hit our one millionth meal that was a very humbling moment so and then moving on from that uh, I'm a, vac uh, a vaccine volunteer 
And so I've done quite a few shifts of up at Bath Racecourse, um, helping out there now and um, trying to juggle that with the everyday of what I'm doing now. But you know, once again, it's 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 just immensely rewarding. Oh, that's brilliant. Well, thank you very much for for stepping up and for helping so many other people that help us and for getting involved with the vaccines. It's, um, you know, sometimes it's, um, you know, we, we see on the news and we hear about all these people getting involved and stuff, but, um, you know, it's, it's, it's lovely to be able to kind of put a name and a face and, and actually give a thank you for people to do it. So thank you very much for that. And you, um, you, you, you do all that. And then you also um, have your, your company now, which is syndicate, uh, syndicate brand partnerships and um, so yeah, lots of juggling. <laughs> <laughs> the juggling go guide. So, um, so could you talk us through what Syndicate is, and you know, um, you know the different perhaps brands you currently work with? Yes, yeah, so the Syndicate is a very small syndicate of different brands um, that, that I've selected. Um, some are more established than others. The ones that I think I could get behind, um, I think we work well in the UK market. Either that add a little bit of difference to someone's retailer's shelf. Um, or there's a gap in the market that I think would be perfectly filled with this brand. So um, right now in the syndicate portfolio, I have a brand called Lebents, which is socks, base layers and headwear, which is made from bamboo and merino mix, which is a beautiful brand. Um, its heritage really comes from uh, Valdezair, it's owned by uh, a couple of Australian boot fitters that started there and then have built this brand to solve the problem. And that's what, what's the perfect speed song. That's how it all started. Um, I have Esker, which is my glove brand, which is predominantly winter gloves. I mean, Esker started in 1912 in Austria. Um, so it's one of the oldest glove manufacturers out there. Uh, most of the gloves are still made, handmade and just beautiful quality, um, but at a sensible price. You know, you kind of you get more for your money than, than, than what you're paying for. Um, so that's a pretty exciting brand. Next to that, I have Black Crows, which a lot of people know. Um, so uh, for me, uh, having a ski brand in the portfolio again is really exciting. Having one uh, that's certainly well recognised, mm -hmm. um, but comes to the market in a slightly different way is a brand new challenge for me. But with Salomon and Atomic, it was, you know, they were brands that had to be on everyone's shelf, really, um, to a certain extent. Um, with Black Crows, you need to find the right retailer to represent the brand properly. And when you do that, you know you're going to strike a really strong partnership. Um, so that's really exciting. Um, and then uh, my biggest brand is Halti, um, which is a Finnish um, outdoor brand. Um, it's 40 years old, but it's never really been in the UK market. So for me, um, it's like kind of finding a gold nugget, really, because you've got a brand with experience. You've got a brand with experience across many different categories. It's already established its storytelling, mm -hmm. um, and it can offer some difference to a UK consumer. Um, and that brand is everything. So that's my summer business, let's say, and winter business. Um, so it's summer and winter apparel. It's footwear across summer, winter, running and leisure. Uh, luggage across hiking, 
in general backpacking to hunting, shooting and military. Um, and, and then tents, of course, and uh, sleeping bags and mats. So there's a lot to go at. Wow. Um, <laughs> it's uniquely Scandinavian. Uh, I say uniquely Scandinavian, but it just means it's different from other things here. Um, and uh, that seems to be very on trend at the moment as well. So That's very cool. I mean, obviously, those are, you know, kind of clothing, hard, uh, a few clothing uh, with uh, Esca gloves and, and Halti and uh, Lebent. Um, but one of the things that, uh, that kind of intrigues me and one of the reasons why I was excited to have you on here as well was, you know, a, a lot of the time we end up speaking to an individual brand, whereas right now we're obviously speaking to somebody who uh, has many brands within their portfolio. So um, one of the things I was quite interested to find out and to pick your brain on was, um, how do you choose brand? Like, how do you uh, decide to work with something uh, that, that you know or that you feel is going to be right, perhaps for you or for, for the categories you're going to work with? Um, because, you know, in essence, you have um, a plethora of, 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 of brands and people who probably enthusiastically come to the UK. So how do you decide which ones to work with? Um, well, first of all, you've got to instantly love it. Um, the brand... And this might sound crazy, has to give you the belief that they love it. Um, and that means that if you take a you take a long established big brand, for them sometimes it becomes just like selling you know tins of beans, different things. It's, you, that you can lose that. You can instantly tell when you're speaking to someone about the product that. It's just products to them. It's not thing. It's not the things that you love. Um, and I think that's the thing. You know, when you turn the word skis into products, that's that's not that good. So when you speak to the brands and you can see and feel their passion, um, and you're excited about it as well, the only other thing that can go wrong is if the market doesn't want to buy it because you've got everything else right. So for me, uh, Black Rose was an easy tip. Really cool brand, um, one that's been steadily growing for years, comes from two guys in Chamonix in 2006 that had this great idea, both professionals, and they just wanted to do it their way. And, and for me, you know, their way is great looking product, awesome design, something very unique, um, and really playing the categories that they feel it, it is important to them. Um, so that was a, a quick tip, really. Esca gloves, you know, yes, that is probably, that has the potential to be slightly more commercial, but everyone needs ski gloves. And when I look at these gloves and the quality versus other brands, they're definitely up. You know, there's some really good, strong US boots. Um, Halti was a brand that I first wore 10 or 12 years ago. It was we had a, an atomic uniform made by Halti one year. It was the first time I ever really knew the brand. So then I'd always kind of watched it from a distance. Um, but then understanding their portfolio, I approached them one day and said, look, you know, can we have a such others? And instantly the people I was speaking to made me feel like part of their family. And that's so important. And you know, even now, you know, through a pandemic and uh, I don't think anyone's sales have been that good. But uh, those guys are still supporting me 
they still believe in what our joint goals are and um for me that's really important you've got to be working with the right people so i see that that's i was going uh, i was kind of leading me on to another question i was thinking about is like again there's there's uh you know masses of, of 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 wonderful companies and brands and products out there that say are eager and enthusiastic but um you know uh, how important is it to you um the culture of the brand you're working with um you know versus just a monetary uh, transaction i mean do you take that into consideration and, and and you know are there factors like that that you you decide you know it could be the best thing since sliced bread um but if it doesn't bond with you um do you you know how, how do you feel about that yeah so i wouldn't take on anything where i mean i i, I work with um some of the brands are, are nowhere near as advanced in their commercial thinking mm-hmm. as um you know we are at ms sports let's say and that's what put them down because they're family businesses and they're you know at ms sports we, we effectively had a procter and gamble education towards it you know so it was a very different thing. Um, so it means that, you know, I have a blended approach of what I know and what I think is right. And uh, when we have those, when I have those initial conversations with a brand, you know, I'm not an employee of the brand. So they need to think, they need to understand the way I want to approach the market with a product. And if they line up to that, and they think that's a good idea and they want to invest in that, then, then that's fine. So, um, and of course, if they love the product and if I love the product and I get excited about it. So, um, and, that, and that's the thing, that's the one thing that hasn't changed in, in 18 years is, uh, it didn't matter if I was, you know, when I first started at MS Sports and I remember unpacking the samples and getting really excited and pretty much to the day I left, even when I was working internationally across both brands, unpacking those samples was amazing because you'd pick it up and you would hold the product and you would imagine using it. Mm. And still to this day, you know, I still get that feeling. So that's cool. I mean, yeah, it's, <laughs> it's like Christmas Day. I mean, obviously, you have uh, from what we can, uh, for those of you that are watching on the video, you can see that there's uh, all sorts of fantastic uh, clothing behind you. Um, I guess, uh, you know, summer, winter, all that sort of stuff. Um, and unpack is probably, say it's probably Christmas day until you have to pack it all up again. It, it's a kind of odd, isn't it? Because, you know, as, as it's blazing hot right now, but you're having to sell um, next year's winter clothing. And, and uh, actually, is it next year's winter clothing you're selling or the next season after? Yes, yes. Next year's summer clothing. So. Next year's summer clothing, pardon me. Um, so, uh, I, I mean, with all that sort of stuff that you you looking at, do you having come from more of a winter-based um, background with, uh, you know, uh, Atomic and Salomon, do you now um, try to do uh, all seasons with the different brands you look after? I mean, is Halti a bit more of a, 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 an all-season product? For, I mean, obviously Black Crows isn't, um, but do you, t- do you try to do your products for a season or do you try and do things year-round now? Mainly for a season, the way I look at syndicate brand partnerships is I split it into summer and winter. Okay. Uh, And I think this is really the best approach for any business. You've got to say, how am I going to keep myself busy every month of the year? Um, So a lot of people might look at my portfolio and go, wow, he's got a lot of stuff. But in real terms, well, I have, but it's manageable (laughs) over the seasons. Yeah. And I remember um, 
I had a conversation with someone about this the other day, and I remembered how many skews I had across Salomon and Atomic, and it was thousands. So you could have one brand with thousands or two brands with thousands of skews, or uh, you can have a selective range from each brand you represent. So I wouldn't necessarily have every glove uh, on display that Esper make. It'd fill my whole show room. The same goes for Palti behind me, you know, it, it, it's so much stuff. Um, so I think I have to approach it with what's going to be right for the UK market. Um, I then split it into summer and winter. So winter, I've got Esker, Levent and Black Crows, and they fit really nicely together with the addition of Halti apparel, which goes all year round. And um, obviously the winter range. And then in the summer, there's a tiny bit of Levent. There's a tiny bit of Esker. Um, but it's mainly the healthy show. Mm. Um, yeah. yeah, well, so you, you just want to pick up on something there, or unpack it a little bit there. Um, you said, obviously, you try to gauge in terms of, of products that are suitable for the UK market. Interested to find out how you uh, research that, or how, how do you get a vibe in terms of what products, uh, colorways, categories, um, are suitable for the UK market, and 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 you know because obviously you you can't buy everything, you can't you can't range everything in terms of a sample. So um, how do you end up um, narrowing it down? Uh, well, you never get it right, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> never in my life I got it right. I've been in front of buyers in the past that go, "Oh, I really like that boot. You got it here." No, we didn't bring that one. In. You know, this happened to me every year of my life. Um, so you ask your friends uh, and you, and they have to be the right friends. <laughs> um, I don't ask a group of guys their opinion on the women's clothing and vice versa. Actually it works well the other way around. But, um, so I gauge it as best I can. I use friends, family, industry people to say, what do you think is, what do you like? And just look at it, look at the cut, look at the color, don't worry about the price because that's for me to say is that commercial sometimes i say how much do you think it will cost um and you gauge it from there but the easiest way of doing it phil is to say what window of pricing do i want to sell it uh so if a brand like um Halti makes jackets up to 400 pounds they also might make jackets down to 80 pounds but I'm not interested in those, so I just cut the bottom off. I see. The same with gloves. Yes, people can buy from the brochure an entry-level glove, um, which you'll probably find in a in a dump bin somewhere. I don't really want to sell that product. Mm -hmm. It's not good. It's not the best thing for the brand. If, if the brand's in an established market, it doesn't matter as much. But in a new market, I set the buying window from seventy pounds up. Gotcha, gotcha. And um, you, you mentioned price there in terms of obviously that's perhaps one of the um, it's one of the elements or factors. Um, uh, here in the UK, for people who are listening, obviously there's a, there's this little thing happened where perhaps we're kind of stepping away from the people on the continent. You may have heard of it. Uh, and uh, I was wondering what uh, has there what the impact's been for yourself in terms of uh, you know the season ahead and um, what you what you foresee the challenges might be uh, coming up, especially in some of these, um, you know, 
fairly niche type areas? I think there's a lot of challenges with, certainly when you've got new brands in your portfolio like me. First of all, you need a retailer with the right mindset. Uh, and that is, do they want to be disruptive? Do they want to put something new on the shelves? Mm -hmm. are, are they scared to do that? Or is that something that they get excited about? And either way, you know, that's fine. A lot of people always buy off history and you have to look at history for sure, to know what your consumers want to buy. Um, but the ones that I kind of aiming at are the ones that want to change their 10 or 20% for newness at the top to offer a new offering to their customers. Mm -hmm. um, and I think, um, so the first challenge I have is finding those retailers and speaking to them when we've had the worst two years that we've had um, in real terms, a year that we've had. Uh, Brexit's been a challenge. <laughs> um, just to get stuff into the country is really difficult at the moment. And there is solutions, but the timescale to find them is, is really hard. And so you, you also need to make sure you're working with brands that know that by dealing with the UK now, it's going to cost them more. Mm. It's going to cost them more in duties, depending on what the product is, in messing about. They need to find the right courier to bring it into the market. They need to set them up to assert themselves up to a certain extent as a UK business. Uh, so that's a big challenge as well. So, um, but, you know, when you've got all these big challenges, if you can still gain traction, the future's bright. Yeah. So. I can I can imagine that uh, you, you probably have a few files and, and a fair amount of paperwork there to, to go through to try to sort it all out. Um, do you... Uh, out of all the different brands that you currently have, you know, it's probably really, really wrong to, to choose a favorite child, but do you have a favorite, uh, a favorite brand that you are currently working with that you, you enjoy working with? I mean, I get excited about them all at different times. Um, <laughs> I kind of flit around, you know, in the winter, if I'm holding one of those skis and I really feel really excited about using it. Um, yeah. I love wearing some of the healthier apparel. Um, some of the shoes are the best shoes I've ever worn. Mm -hmm. um, I would say so far on the journey, um, all the brands have been supportive. They really have. My relationship with Healthy is very, very strong. Um, and because there's a lot of different products in there that I haven't done before, the learning builds passion a lot of the time. Okay. So I can get really excited about a backpack. I never thought I would, but I can. <laughs> <laughs> That's cool. I mean, I was going to ask, because you mentioned a few times, but um, obviously Healthy being a, a Scandinavian um, a Scandinavian brand, what is their, what would be their USP then for, for, for us who perhaps aren't, um, don't necessarily know, know the brand that well? So the USP, and, and I'm sorry to talk about being eco, because every brand talks about eco, mm -hmm. uh, but that's really it. Now, I, I, in this country, the brands that are doing it really well, and, and there's a lot of them, and I tip my hat to them all, um, they've been doing it for three to five years, really thinking about this, and, and a lot of the Scandinavian brands have been doing it for 10, 12 years. Okay, they've already made the harsh choices. Yeah, so it's already happened. So with Healthy, eco is the word. I mean, by 2022, so next year, um, Healthy's goal is to be totally carbon neutral. 
I already made the decision a few years ago not to ship anything by sea. Uh, a lot of these products obviously are made in China. Um, all of Healthy's factory is a blue sign, so they're already kind of validated. Um, but the products years ago uh, started to go on train, which is biodiesel, um, from China all the way through Russia into Europe. And, you know, the capacities on these trains now is quite full. Um, but it's a far more environmentally friendly way of, of transporting goods. Um, so everything that people are doing now, you know, Healthy done many years ago, even designing the products, uh, every garment is designed on a computerized simulation. And that means that you don't have to keep producing loads of samples. Uh, Actually, a lot of the time now, the computer software is so good, by the time you get the first sample, that's it. It's done. It fits perfectly. It mimics the body movements. Everything about it's great. Um, so they've already invested all of, all of that stuff. If you go to the factory, uh, everyone's driving biodiesel or electric vehicles, and that's the sign for me. You go to, I've been to many factories, but if you all see them driving, um, electric vehicles and one or two biodiesels, they're already on a journey. Um, and that's really the major thing. But what it means is, with Howty, the price points aren't ridiculous. Uh, there isn't a jacket there for eight, nine hundred pounds like some other brands where you're really buying into the brand and they've done an amazing job at that. But with Howty, you'd probably get the same quality product as one of those eight, nine hundred pound brands the three or 400 pounds. Mm. And so you don't have to pay for an eco product. And I think that's the key point. If you want to buy environmentally friendly clothing that's made from recycled materials, with healthy, it's a sensible price. It's not a premium price. We're not charging people for it. We've already done it. Mm. Uh, so there's things in the range. There's bags that are made from 97% recycled materials. Um, jackets that are made from 50% recycled materials but are 100% recyclable. Mm -hmm. um, all the footwear is 60% plus recycled. Um, and, and that's the important thing, you know, it's, it's all about that, the journey that the brand's already been on. And yeah. for me, I can just adopt that, inherit that, and that helps. That's cool. So sounds like obviously um, the USP is obviously quite quite uh, amazing quality and that's environmentally friendly. Um, I, uh, I'm kind of interested as well just to, to take a step to, to the side a little bit. I mean, I'd be interested to hear your thoughts in terms of the customer you seek to serve. Now, you can go this two ways and, and feel free to take it whichever way you'd like to, but who's the customer you seek to serve either um, you as syndicate brands um or the end consumer so i'll let you i'll let you uh, jump on that whichever way you'd like to but i'm interested to find out uh, your, your thoughts on that but me as syndicate brands to the retailer mm -hmm. first and foremost which is my direct customer of course um the word in my company is partnerships mm -hmm. and that means that everything we talk about has to be fair it has to work for everyone in the chain um the retailer needs to be able to talk about the product, so they need to help and support often in doing that. 
They need to make money, let's be honest. Yeah. Um, and they need to be supportive. May that be back office, whatever. So um, on the other hand, you know, the brand needs great storytellers. And uh, so when I look at with various brands that I have, how that how that structure looks, I build that. So that's that's down to me. It's not the brand. I build it and then go to the brand and say, guys, what do you think? Mm-hmm. Does this work for you? I know this definitely works for the retailer. Um, will you, you know, will you sign this off? And and then when we get there, we what we know is we have a very balanced approach to every retailer. So um, and that won't change. That's when people, many retailers out there have dealt with me before. Um, I certainly, there was only so much I could do before uh, in my old job. Um, but now uh, with, cert- with certain brands, I have a lot more control. And, and if I don't, um, it is what it is. Um, so, uh, and that's when I negotiate with these brands and sign contracts with them. I, I speak to them about where they see the brand going, where they see it going with me and the kind of partners that we'll deal with. And so we have those conversations up front. That's quite cool. So, um, and then would you, uh, I mean, that's obviously then from syndicate uh, to, to the retailer kind of, uh, and then if you were to have a, who would be your perfect, uh, I don't know, Black Crows customer? <laughs> well, the perfect Black Crows customer is someone that wants something a little bit different. Mm-hmm. Um, someone that wants to buy into a different culture. And that's definitely what it is, that the vibe of a black crow skiers a different culture. They ski brilliantly. Um, there isn't that many skis out there that don't, whatever the brand is, they all ski well. Take any one of them on holiday and you come back smiling. Um, so you're buying the story, you're buying the people within the brand, you're buying the culture. And you're buying something that is a little bit different. And you, in a lot of cases, you're gonna have to pay a bit more for it as well. Um, but that's that's the way it is with the brand. So um, find something a bit. (laughs) I I, I often think about Apple Mm -hmm. versus other products. You know, when I look at Black Crows, it's kind of like, to say it's an Apple, it's a a cool Apple kind of product. It's the the one you get excited about, so. Oh, that's nice. Um, If we were to um, take, uh, let's say take a look at perhaps your uh, corporate career and now your independent uh, career. Um, who would you say has been the most influential person on your journey and what did you learn from them? Um, I think I've, I've worked with many different people at all different levels. And I think back when I was doing seasons, the person that I was working for there then was a guy called Johnny Leperrier, who was the uh, founder and owner of Ski Cocktail, okay. um, which was a big ski school across the three valleys. And, you know, he was very much a pioneer. He was the first independent ski school in France. Um, so he, he really changed the way um, that, that ski schools are run over there now. And uh, I learned a lot from him. I was a young guy when I was out doing my seasons. And, and uh, you know, I kind of worked there for about three or four years. Um, and I ended up running a workshop down in Alberville in the end. 
Uh, but I learned a lot from him and I learned a lot about the French culture, I, I should say, um, <laughs> and um, how when you've just had enough, you go down the pub. It's no different to the UK, but we're good friends and I learned a lot. And I think I was at a, I was at a young age then, so to have good people like that around me, you know, it was quite inspiring. Um, and you know, there, I mean, there's there's other people as well. There's um, a lot of the people that I started working with. Chris Bloor with Atomic taught me how to sell. I mean, Eric Davies, legend anyway. Yeah. Um, you know, you, you learn a lot from all these people. I, I, very hard to say who I think would be the biggest influence because one thing Chris Bloor said to me that's stuck very well is you've got two ears and one mouth and use them in that order. Um, and so it was good that he said that at the start of my career because I'd done that throughout my career. And uh, as a result, you know, I, I listened to many good ideas from many great people. So. Oh, it's good. That's a, uh, yeah, I mean, it's, 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 it's good communication advice really, isn't it? In, in the end, at the end of the day. Um, we, uh, we, we chatted before we started here on this and um, uh, I, I think I used the, the terminology which um, uh, like a, a product, product rep and you, uh, you kind of like, oh, I'm not, you know, I, I, there's, there's a better terminology. And uh, can you remind me, what, what, how did you prefer to refer to uh, people that, uh, was it a brand represent, no, brand ambassador? I think there's, there's, different, there's different things. There's commercial representation. Okay. Um, so if you look at, I've got my own company mm -hmm. um, and I represent brands in the marketplace. Okay. So um, that would mean that, you know, with brands like Halty and a number of the others, I would probably sit as a UK MD, like Dave would be, um, mm -hmm. with Vogue. Um, yeah. And um, I don't know if a rep really exists anymore. Mm -hmm. um, Back in the day, you know, a rep would knock on the door once a year, sell the stuff, disappear, pop that down for coffee every now and then. Yeah. There's so much more interaction. A, 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 that person now has to be very much a business manager, mm -hmm. um, making sure that everything's right. There's enough, enough focus on the future as well to keep the momentum going between the brand and the buyer. Um, so there's a lot more there than, so, uh, yeah, there's a lot more there commercially now, uh, joint business plans, things like that. So, so if, we, if we were to uh, take a look, perhaps the, uh, the stereotype then of, of somebody in, in your role and career, uh, many people believe that it's, it's actually, you know, it's, it's quite, a, quite an easy job or historically it's been quite an easy job with lots of perks and everything like that. Why do you think that is? Um, it's... When, you, when you're doing something that you love, it's easier than doing something that you don't love. That's, that's the black and white thing. So would I say, do I find it difficult to sell skis? No. Uh, I have found it harder to sell some skis than others, I'll be honest, but <laughs> the process is something I really enjoy because I get excited about picking everyone up and remembering what it's like to get them over on their side, skiing with the likes of you and many other people, 
and having that experience. When you can relate an experience back to a product, it's not like selling a kettle or a toaster. It's not like that. I mean, don't get me wrong. Some people might eat the toast in the morning and go, do you know what? I love selling these toasters, but I'm not that person. Um, so <laughs> I, uh, <laughs> I, um, so I don't find it that hard. So yeah, kind of when you ask me the question about, you know, people kind of perceive it to be a job with many perks or whatever, do you know what? That actually is Phil. <laughs> um, <laughs> You're not supposed to tell everybody that. <laughs> you know what? When you can go skiing in as many places as I have and you have, and uh, yeah, I mean, it's you're skiing with a business hat on, and that's something I, I've uh, promised myself a holiday where I I don't ski with the business hat on. That would be amazing because for 18 years I've skied on ski tests and everything else, and that's quite interesting. I should say for anyone out there, this is probably a myth um, that they, they think we all go away and we switch off from work for a week. Well, we don't, you know, we, we'll ski uh, with customers and then we'll often have to go catch up on many emails or we'll be in meetings in the morning and the evening and the night. And sometimes you might need to have a meeting with someone, see so you at the bar till one o'clock. Um, they're always meetings, by the way. You're never just at the bar having a conversation. Yeah. Um, <laughs> well, I mean, but, yeah. you know, on, on, on a, um, on a, on a, you know, semi-serious note, but I mean, you know, there is a lot of work that goes into, if we use a ski test as an example, you know, let alone, you know, if it's a, a week long event or a few days worth of that, you know, a lot of the things that uh, you guys work with the SIGB and all that sort of stuff, you know, as uh, you know, the, the teams are, are down first thing in the morning, dressed and ready to go at like sometimes six, something like that in the morning, down, um, ready to go. You know, if it snowed the night before, people are unpacking, you know, clearing off the tents, getting all the equipment ready and everything like that. And meanwhile, you know, you have, um, uh, you know, trying to get, get the day ready so everybody else can uh, make the most of the day. And so for you guys, you know, the day sometimes starts at like five, 5.30 in the morning, trying to get ready, get dressed, get out the door, have your breakfast, everything like that. So, you know, other people can kind of kind of come in and, and try the equipment and, and, you know, you're trying to set up the best environment possible. And then, as you say, there's product presentations at the end of the day, genuine product presentations and brand presentations as, you know, feedback for the day. And yeah, it's, it can be a very, very, very long, uh, a long, a long day. Um, and you do it day in and day out for five, six, seven days. It's, it's quite long and intense. So, yeah, there are some perks, but so yeah, in your defense, I was going to say, yeah, there's a there, there is a lot of if you were selling toasters, yeah, <laughs> well. exactly, exactly. I, I will say, and, and and you know, you've experienced it. The one thing that I always said to the people that I work with is, we, we, we're up first, we're in bed last, yeah, that's it. And even if you you, you never leave a customer at the bar, mm -hmm. um, you're down to breakfast, the first person in the room, mm -hmm. and that was always what we've done, and yeah. um. But yeah, it's when you start doing it, I remember when you start doing it back to back, that's when it gets a bit challenging. <laughs> there was a few years ago, I, we, I flew back in from, uh, I don't know where we were in the States now. Um, we, we were skiing in the States and I flew back in and then I think within three or four days, I was out to Austria um, in Solden and, and I was just shattered. I was absolutely shattered. Uh, score. We were. That was the score. We were in school, and then we 
came back and was straight out to Austria. And, and then I think there was a trade show straight after that. Yeah. So, you know, all of a sudden, that is the thing you, you have about four or five weeks where you are on the Super road. Super intensity, yeah. And two brands, I remember, and then with additional markets. I used to have in my spare room, I would have brand bags packed. So I'd already have my atomic bag packed for when I came back from the Salomon trip. And then there'd be a pile of clothes there for a trade show. And it would quickly be, you know, for like three or four weeks just swapping stuff around. Um, that was, that's never easy. Yeah. If I'm honest. <laughs> ah, well, you survived it. So yeah, I've got, got a handful of other little questions for you then. So um, uh, kind of make this one easy, bit fun. If you were to take a uh, healthy, uh, what's it, uh, healthy black crows, uh, uh, Esca gloves, and Lebent, could you give them each a, a personality? Like a, at a party. Yeah, um, I, I would say that black crows is like it's kind of like the coolest cat in the room. You know, I guess it's the sunglasses looking over the top. That's the way I see it. Like a like a Tom um, Cruise sort of thing. Say, <laughs> yeah, maybe. A, no, I'm not going to say a Tom Cruise, but you know, <laughs> it's it's there. It's established. I'm not going to say it's understated. It's quite brave in itself but it's it's been noticed um yeah an event's an interesting one might come back to that esca a bit like your tom jones really it's been around a long time but it's loved by all the all different generations <laughs> i love that i'm gonna say uh tom jones for esca because yeah we went to see tom jones two years ago awesome um Halty, um is clearly my my 40 year old baby <laughs> so it's, it's it's officially its first proper year in the uk we just come back from a trade show um but you know the brand actually made the first framed backpack uh so yeah, it's been around for a long time and the bent kind of like you're cool it's very cool but it's very technical um maybe a like a Professor Brian Cox or something. Nice, <laughs> I don't like know. that. Tough one. Um, yeah, that's probably what I'll say. Cool, like it. Um, so, um, yeah, so a few more questions, then we'll jump on the final three. But um, what uh, what is the most important thing to you right now? Um, I obviously keep in going. It's tough times at the moment. and. I think I would rephrase that saying gaining momentum uh, across all the brands. And now, and I pray we're all coming out of this pandemic now and uh, we can have a ski season again. I haven't skied for over a year and I miss it like I know everyone else does. Um, but Syndicate really hasn't had a chance to shine. Um, and that's really, yeah what I'm hoping for. Um, what is your secret for making great relationships and connections with people? Just being honest and having fun. Never being, of course, there's times you've got to be serious, but everyone I know, I have fun with. Um, we, we have fun together, you know, we share a beer, we share an experience, we share a story. Um, I mean, everyone knows 
a lot about me, I'm pretty transparent. And I think that's a good way to be. If I don't know the answer to something, the, the answer I would give is I don't know the answer to that. Um, the journey of finding out and getting back to that person is probably more rewarding than just answering it if you could. Do. So, yeah. Yeah. Cool. Um, who do you think would be an interesting person for me to interview? Interesting in what way? Oh, <laughs> you can choose. I shouldn't fire a question back at you. That's just say I'm on this uh, side. I'm the one who's asking. <laughs> um, I think someone should interview you, Phil. Um, we'll, we'll get. We'll get. We'll, we can have a competition. Then we'll have like a, a poll. We we'll get. To... <laughs> um, did you put a name out of a hat to everyone you've interviewed, and one of those people you interviewed? Yeah. I think. Um, I think Johnny Blaperia, who I mentioned. Um, uh, who, who was the, the really the first independent ski school in France? And now, if I look at the amount of people who go skiing in France and go to independent ski schools, and how many of them are now British, um, yeah, he'd be a good one. I mean, Eddie, Eddie the Eagle Edwards, uh, absolute legend. I think uh, he'd be good to have on. Oh, there's so many people. You know, you've interviewed so many great people. Um, and uh, yeah, Russ, we mentioned Russ. Russ, yeah. Russ would have some great insights moving from Atomic to pretty high up in GoPro. Mm -hmm. um, and when it comes to understanding consumers across all the, these different things, I would be curious to understand how the Atomic days helped him in the GoPro days. And now he's with the pandemic, so yeah. Cool, well, I might, uh, I'll, uh, I'll send him a text. Um, <laughs> Cool. And then, so my final three questions, which I always ask everybody, um, if people had to take away a phrase, a sentence, or that encapsulates uh, syndicate uh, brand partnerships, what would it be? I think in one word, partnerships. Um, when they deal with me, I, I don't go anywhere. My job is to make sure that we have solid partnerships. Um, so I think it's, it's unique brands and partnerships. Nice. Um, what do you want your uh, sporting legacy to be? I, that's a really tough one. And I, I, I kind of knew you were going to ask me that because you said you were going to ask me that. And I, I don't know if I know now what I want it to be. And I don't know. I don't even know if I want one, <laughs> if you know what I mean. I'm, I'm just happy. I think if someone, if someone, said that Jason actually helped make change, that would be incredible. Um, I, I think that every person that works for every brand has a, is a part of this history. So it could be Davey Mercer, Eric Davis, Pete Wagcall, Kaylee Hill, Katie Penman, James Boys, all those guys, Chris Anderson, Salomon, and then Finley and everyone, Russell, on the atomic side, they all become Gavin Dunlop, you know, all become part of that brand's history. And um, I've already done that. I've become part of two brands' history. So I'm really happy with that. I mean, where I've also, I've, I've managed to name a few products which have been great along the way. Um, that's quite cool. Um, yeah, I would say. Oh, okay, okay, you can't leave us like that. Name some products, next question. No, what are the products you named? Uh, I, I, in Austria and indeed in France, um, 
I became the person that they'd email me with new names or, or have got any ideas for new names. So um, some would get used, some wouldn't. I mean, uh, the, the Justice Range, which was, you know, had things like theory, alibi, justice, all those ski names in it. Um, you know, and then the brand would go, actually, that's a cool name, we'll use that. And then um, on the helmet side, which is which is quite cool uh, we um I, I think my internet connection went a little bit funny though what, on the helmet side what was what was the one you were able to chat to uh the pioneer from salomon oh really that you wow that was that was one of yours that's wicked it was because we had to change the name uh and it was one of the biggest selling salomon helmets um we had to change the name because of there was a rights issue with another company um that happens quite a lot to be fair. Yeah. um so we knew it was a, a challenge and i spoke uh and, and worked with gilles from salomon at the time and came up with some names and pioneer really worked because internally uh, what externally it was a cool name internally this helmet was probably one of the biggest selling well it was the biggest selling helmet that salomon had ever made um, so Pioneer really did fit it quite well. So we went with Pioneer, yeah. Oh, cool. Brilliant. So um, my last question is, is then as an individual, who do you think a legend of a brand is and why? I'd probably go back to saying that a legend of a brand is every single person that has worked with it, that brand, and made a difference. And the same is... <laughs> Yeah, legend. If you've if you've done something to change something, that's legendary, isn't it? For the right for the right reason. So, and and you've had so many. I mean, I worked for years with Finley's sort of dear friend. No doubt that man's legend. Shub, a lot of the guys you've had on, you know, Matt Humphrey's one of my best friends. Uh, all of these guys that've been doing it for so long, they're still doing it, and they're doing it well, and they're making a difference. Um, you know, and girls, I, you know, Sally, you know, you kind of, you, she certainly is a legend. So, yeah, for me, it's someone that's gone out their way to, to make a difference. And I think all those people have. Oh, lovely. Brilliant. Well, I really appreciate your, your time today and chatting away and uh, learning a bit more about a few of your, uh, your, your new adventures and endeavors. Um, if people want to find out more about you, about the brands, about the products, how do they find out about you? How do they get in touch? They can email me, uh, which is info at syndicatebp.com mm -hmm. or visit my website, which is syndicatebp.com. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, or if they got my phone number and it's probably not that hard to find, just pick the phone up to me and I'm happy to talk to anyone. So, yeah, not hard to contact. Brilliant. Cool. And are you on um, uh, the social media channels and all that sort of stuff as well? If people want to find oh, yeah. stuff. Yes. Cool. Yeah, Brilliant. on social media, uh, Facebook, syndicates on Facebook should be really easy to find as well. So uh, yeah, like that as well. That'd be great. And, uh, drop me a line. Cool. Brilliant. Well, I shall let you continue on with your afternoon, but I um, thank you very much for your help, for your time, and uh, look forward to catching up with you uh, Hopefully in the near future, we can uh, share some stories and share a beer, but uh, thank you very much for your help and your time, Dave. Really enjoyed it.
Brilliant. Been great to chat. Thanks, Phil. All right. Take care. Cheers. Bye. Hey, thanks for listening to this episode of Legends of the Brand. Hope you enjoyed yourself. Listen, drop us an email at info at legendsofthebrand.com. That's info at legendsofthebrand.com if you'd like to reach out and get in touch. And make sure to check out the show notes also at all the W's at legendsofthebrand.com. Take care. Have a great day. Bye-bye.